0: This podcast brought to you by Hope
1: 103.2. Power Lunch with Laura Bennett. On Hope 103.2, joining us, the pastor of Life Church New Zealand, also author of the new book, God, Money and Me, Pastor Paul DeYoung. thanks so much for joining us.
0: Well, it's an honour to be here.
1: This book is incredible and uh, it really does speak to not only a Christian approach to finance but really principles that can help everybody. Why did you feel like it was needed to have a conversation about finance at this time?
0: Well, I think for me, having grown up in the church, um, I, as I said in the book, I was always taught the law of sowing but never understood the law and the responsibility of reaping. And so found myself after uh, being married for 15 years and of course because we've been taught generosity giving so much away I just looked at Marie one day and our children and I thought you know what we'll never get a home unless we find something to do this differently and it it Mm -hmm. just started in me a search into scripture to find some answers to the questions that I had when it came to money and and how to build a financial future.
1: A lot of people have questions about that because as Christians, we are taught generosity and obviously that is a big, big part of the financial puzzle. But what else did you find in Scripture that really showed you that wasn't all that was needed?
0: Well, I think because of the genuineness of my search, uh, one of the catalyst Scriptures that began it for me was, uh, I read 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8 where it says, God is able to make all grace abound towards you, I read it in the first person to me that I, always having all sufficiency in all things, would also have an abundance for every good work. And I just thought, well, you know, I'm not sure that I'm able to have that or I've never seen that work for me. So mm. if God is able to do it, obviously there's some ingredients that are missing.
1: And it comes back to the belief about money, too, which a lot of people get wrong. The, one of the most misquoted scriptures, as you know, is that money is the root evil, root of all evil, but actually, no, it's the love of money. So what do you think a biblical attitude toward money in the first place looks like?
0: Well, I think you know, money is a powerful tool, and so rightfully so. We've got to be careful in the sense that money doesn't rule us. But again, that can happen to somebody who doesn't have money or somebody who has a lot of money. So the issue is not money itself, it's the spirit behind it. And uh, so with that in mind, it's kind of like, well, God, what is it that I'm missing? Because here we are being generous and here we are. And and it's like even in the church sometimes I hear people say, well, that's the trouble with the church. It's always talking about money. And I go, Mm. no, it's always talking about giving, but it's never teaching on a pathway to financial freedom, and the Bible has that in it. And so, like you said, people misquote that verse of, you know, money is the root of all evil. No, it's the love of money. And even in the book, I I deal with eight money myths that we've bought into because of a lack of understanding what God really says.
1: And what I like about the book and the way you explain these things in it is that it's hugely practical because so many people talk about concepts of money and generosity and kingdom finance and all of those sorts of keywords in ways that can seem very vague. You are very clear about a a pathway forward and you break money down into sort of four different categories that we can uh, divvy up in different percentages. Can you explain a little bit about each of those four different buckets, I guess?
0: Yes. Well, I just use four S words so we can remember them, but I talk about stewarding what belongs to God. I mean, there's a lot of debate even about tithing, and that's Old Testament law. The fact is it wasn't the Old Testament law, but it was a principle that was put into play well before it, and it goes all the way through, and that is about stewarding and uh, acknowledging God's sovereignty in our financial world. It's, it's his blueprint to see the church become all she should be, but again, that's the tithe that's stewarding what belongs to god it's not ours then the second category is all of us need seed for harvest our tithe is not seed it's returning it's a test uh it's whether the enemy has got sway over the rest of our finance or we're asking god to have sway then we have seed and uh, that seed is what creates harvest and seed we give wherever we feel to give Uh, and third thing which is what we didn't have we certainly had The first and the second in operation, but um, this whole thought of saving, Mm. that uh, I believe now we should match whatever we seed and save that amount. And I would say to people, if you're in debt, that third category is where you would go to see that debt come to zero, and then it would go towards a home, something that's going to go generationally. And that's where we can have, like a a great father or great mother is going to have something for generations to follow. Mm and then spending, which everyone says, well, I know how to do that, Paul. And I (laughs) say, no, that's one of the challenges. You've got to limit your spending to your income. And people then say, well, so there's four categories, there's stewarding, there's seeding, there's saving and spending. And I go, yeah. And ultimately, just in a nutshell, we need to work over the next period of time, even if it takes years to say, honor God with the first 10th. And I would say then grow towards having seed, maybe of another 10% and then mm. saving of 10% and then live on 70. If you can't do that, honor God with what this is his the first 10th, and then start with 2% seed and 2% saving and live on 86% mm. and start to live a simplistic but a principled life that will in one generation have our grandchildren in the place where they won't work for money. They'll work according to the call of God on their lives. Mm. A lot of people have never been taught that, so I didn't. Yeah. I just kept giving everything away rather than saying, okay, what are the principles? How do I implement that because I'm in crisis right now? Or I'm in a good financial place, but how can I implement for a kingdom-weighted financial breakthrough future.
1: And that's the distinction, is that it's not just about you and your immediate financial needs, whether that's having a roof over your head or food or you know new jeans, etc. You're actually thinking about wealth creation as something that is generational and there's that impact or that goal around it that says, I want to use my money well so that my children and other generations can live well as a result of it. And one of the big things that you point out there, I think, is that that saving bit, which could looked at as sort of investing is that kind of part of the framework that it does sit into
0: yeah totally and i'd say investing into the generations that follow you so it's not like saving for a holiday uh that's why i would say first and foremost put it into a home and it's not money you're going to spend but it's money that's going to go generationally so that our children and particularly our grandchildren if there's never been that course of response before in your generational line are going to be in a place where they've got a whole step up and then they live principally And again, Mm. even the 10, 10, 10, 70 can build to a 10, 20, 20, 50 lifestyle. Or if you've got a lot of money, why wouldn't you go 10, 30, 30, 30? I'll live on 30. I'll seed 30 for great cause. And I'll invest 30 to, again, the generations that follow and also into great kingdom initiatives where there's need. So it just sets you up. And rather than give it all away and hope that one day a check in the mail is going to come, it's kind (laughs) of like, no, we have got principally and and those that are listening that go well you know I've never broken broken through financially this mm-hmm. is a pathway that everybody can start with and build towards this place of setting generations free Mm. to financial health.
1: And I like that it's based on maths as well as biblical principles because it's not something that's, you know, the silver bullet or this get-rich-quick kind of thing. It's not about that. It actually is just about learning to use your money well. But one of the things you need to obviously be okay with is as a family, as a couple an individual, saying no. When people ask you to give to something or ask you to spend something, saying no. How did you and your wife, when you first decided to do this, deal with that when people wanted your generosity?
0: Well, to be honest, I felt dirty. Uh, We had been so taught generosity. We were giving so much away and loved to do it and just loved to say, well, hey, we're only on earth for a little period of time and we're going to heaven and, you know, God's got it all. He'll sort it out. But we had a long season where we just said, no, we're going to live principally from here on in. And it's amazing what happens when you start to say, hey, we're going to match our long-term generational-going savings investment into uh, how much we sow. Some others need to sow more, Mm. but that for us was the challenge. And yeah, I think we felt kind of less than for a while. But looking back now, I'm so thankful because I know in fact, we, I mean, it's not trying to big note us, but uh, we've now started a bank account for each one of our grandchildren. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's going to go to them and they're they going to say, well, that's thats not money for you to spend. That's money for you to put in the house and things that go generationally. In the space of a few generations, you imagine what the kingdom of God could look like as we're not spending our whole lives trying to pay off debt and maybe get a home. We are already set up and we can build into the things that matter most, which is helping other people.
1: Mm. What do you think, Brian? broke it originally because like I I look at my granddad and he has been all about this kind of attitude and then it's almost like it sort of skipped a generation maybe and then everybody else now are trying to catch up and work out how to become homeowners and things. What do you think started this financial issue that we're in at the moment?
0: I don't know. I think there are many things, but I definitely think sometimes in the church we had not that long ago, especially when I was a boy, this kind of thought, well, Jesus is coming. So why do we need to think (laughs) generation?
1: Very true, yep.
0: You know what I mean? And so we had the Thief of the Night movies, and we're all scared about seeing a lawnmower running on its own, and everybody's been raptured, and we hadn't, and all that (laughs) type of stuff. But uh, I I do think we had that thought. The kingdom of God, however, when you read the Bible, is things that build generation on generation. And uh, we basically, we keep ourselves where we're at and just repeat the cycles every generation unless we invest into the generations that come. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, everybody I talked to, I know for us, that, that have embraced it. Uh, we, we have now our kids in church with four containers. So if they get $10 pocket money a month, there's $1, $1, $1, $1 and they can spend seven. Mm. And you just think about what that means for the future generations. Uh, and I think, for me, that's why I said before, in one generation, you could set the course of liberating being ruled by money. And people say, well, I'm not ruled by money. Well, it decides where you work, mm. decides how long you go on holiday, decides what you can give to people in need, decides so much. So I think it is a big issue. And the enemy has uh, not really wanted us to talk about it correctly. And then unfortunately, in the church, as I said, it's always about give more, give more, give more. Mm. And when you know, when I taught the church that the Bible says, don't give all your money away. It's like everybody clapped at the best sermon they ever heard. <laughs> uh, but Principally, there is a way forward that works for everybody. And I try Mm. to outline that in the book very clearly. So no matter where you are from week one, begin to give me hope for a financially free future.
1: Yeah, you walk away with really great steps. And one of the things, maybe this is just an Aussie attitude, I'm not sure, but we seem to resist the idea of like setting out, I I hesitate to say it is setting our kids up well, but you think if a child is given, say $30,000 when they're 18 because their parents have invested well or something, there's almost this resistance to that because that child is set up without having to work hard and earn it for themselves. How do you balance setting a child up well, but also teaching them how to do a good day hard work?
0: Yeah, I think that's a good question. It's a bit like the same adage of, hey, we don't want to say you did a great job because people get big heads. So Mm -hmm. let's keep everybody humble and keep them down to my size. I I think the answer to that is very much we need to teach principled living with a God-blessed outcome. That's always the way. God is a blessing God and he lives in the dilemma of as the blessing comes, we often walk away from who he is. But that does not denounce the principle and the need of having a pathway. So for me, it's kind of like I say to our church and the people that I'm talking to about it, listen, what we need to do is teach our children the principle and then set up provision for our grandchildren. And Mm. then if we do that all the way through, so we live principally. So our grandchildren, by God's grace, will find a great start to life and get a house early. But with it will come the responsibility of living, principled living. And because they're in a better place, they can up the percentages and make a greater impact on the people around them and the generations that come after them, if Jesus tarries.
1: That's right. It's a cycle and I guess a long view that we need to have, Pastor Paul. Thank you so much for chatting about it and uh, and for writing the book as well.
0: Oh, it's my privilege and I pray it's going to be a blessing. We've just actually released it in Arabic. So we've given 100 free copies to the 50 top churches throughout Egypt, which is awesome. And also just coming out in Dutch, which is amazing. So we're believing it's going to help a lot of people just say, God, you've got a pathway in this for me. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.